Hello and welcome to the Emmy Awards. I'm your host Emmy Cardinale and this is my podcast where I talk about what I've been watching or re-watching once a week. If this is the first episode of mine that you're listening to and you like it, um, please make sure to follow me wherever you listen to podcasts. My social media is linked in the description. I tend to post updates there on delays, missed weeks, things like that. I typically uh, release on Fridays, but I did say in my last couple episodes that right now I'm just aiming to get it out at some point over the weekend. Um, I hope to eventually get back to my regular Fridays. I've been like on and off posting on a Sunday, posting on a Friday, but I do prefer to get them out on Fridays. I just honestly been going through a bit of a rough time mentally and this time of year sucks for me and I had intended to get this episode out on Friday as I always do but I genuinely did and I am just not feeling well this week mentally and I couldn't do it I couldn't I couldn't do it um this time of year the month of October specifically is really difficult for me mentally and emotionally and I've just been going through it with all honesty now I almost didn't record this episode okay I'm recording this Saturday evening and I almost did it but the reason that I am gathered here today is because I have a lot I need to say about Big Brother right now that is bothering me and normally talking about it like not 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 like it's bothering me like genuinely causing me distress but like I the reason I love this podcast is because it's a place for me to just talk about what my feelings are about what I'm watching in a very cathartic like constructive way and I unfortunately am feeling a lot of things about Big Brother some negative that I just I need to talk about it I need to like process through how I'm feeling about the events of this week in Big Brother and that is why I'm gathered here today. Now I had intended for this episode to be a bit more Golden Bachelor, Bachelor in Paradise centric but it might lean a little bit more towards Big Brother but I'm going to start with Bachelor in Paradise um, and and the Golden Bachelor. I'm going to start on my thoughts on that and then I will end on Big Brother this time instead of doing it the opposite which I did last time so before I get into Big Brother the first show I want to talk about is Bachelor in Pair actually no the first show I'm gonna talk about is Love is Blind because the Love is Blind finale came out on Friday and I have very minimal things to say about this season because it was a flop that is my biggest takeaway from this season of Love is Blind. It was a flop. It was, they should have just canned it. I don't even know why they followed through with it. I, it was, it was just, it was not good. It was really not a good season. They didn't have like a couple that stood out. They only had three couples go to the honeymoon thing, the Mexico trip. And then, although apparently, I think part of the reason this season should have been canned is because if you are unaware, there have been allegations from, so apparently there were five couples that, that went 
to Mexico. One was on the show and they completely, like, they showed them in the pods and they even showed them at the wedding, like, at the bridal fitting and the tux fitting, but they just pretended they were there, like, as friends when they were there being fitted for their own things. So there were five couples, I believe, that went to the honeymoon stage. Now, one couple, the woman is alleging that she was assaulted, that the production didn't help her. It's a very upsetting um, allegation, which I believe wholeheartedly. And just another kind of thing that Love is Blind is failing at. Or not failing at, but like something that maybe... I don't know. Like, Love is Blind needs to fix its producing because there have been too many negative allegations about how it's made. So that happened. So that couple, that allegedly happened while they were filming the, like, post-pod stuff. And they that couple didn't make it past that. JP and and then we all know that we all know that JP and I can't remember her name I'm so sorry um I only remember his name because I don't like him but like JP that so five couples allegedly went one they completely edited out of the show except when they couldn't edit them out they just pretended that they were there as like plus ones for the fittings no idea and no indication as to why their relationship was completely cut from the edit. Now, there have been reports of people in the past that this has happened in past seasons where couples are not included. But what I don't understand is why they wouldn't if they only had three couples and then one dissolved in Mexico, which was JP and the girl who he was with who he told should she shouldn't wear makeup. I literally can't remember her name, and I feel so bad. Taylor? Is her name Taylor? If I, I, I don't know. I'm really sorry to... I'm really sorry to her. But regardless, like, they didn't have that much content, so I don't understand... Like, what happened between this Renee... Between Renee and Carter that they didn't include? Like, I don't understand. And then... And the thing that I find even more confusing is that they spent... I understand why they had to highlight the Lydia Uche thing in the pods because Lydia was going to be somebody who... Because Lydia and, and Milton obviously were got engaged, made it to the end, yada, yada, yada. Like, they were going to be in the show. So for the edit, they wanted to include, like, the Uche stuff and the conflict but I just feel like they spent so much time highlighting relationships in the pods that didn't ultimately get anywhere when they had another couple that made it all the way to the altar that they completely can't. I find that confusing from a like producing standpoint. I don't like unless something really I understand why they wouldn't include the couple who had those allegations because they obviously that was not like I understand why they want wouldn't want to do that because you know they aren't gonna get themselves in hot water at least like like it it just I understand why they didn't do that 
But I don't understand why they cut out Renee and Carter's whole relationship. It, it was just bad producing on a lot of parts. The Uche Lydia stuff. They shouldn't have been allowed, in my opinion, in the experiment if they knew each other. They shouldn't have... Like, there are just so many... Like, they they really... They dropped the ball. They missed the mark. It was a flop of a season. The two couples that we saw get to the altar, I wasn't invested in either of them. I was like, I don't care either way. Because Izzy and Stacy... Izzy and Stacy... <laughs> Like, I wasn't really invested in them because we didn't see... Like, Izzy and Stacy had many moments where they were, like, mean to Johnny. And, like, it, it just... It, it didn't... Like, I wasn't invested in them either because they didn't edit them to be particularly nice people. Or, like, I, I just... I wasn't invested in their relationship. And Lydia and Milton, I wasn't invested in their relationship. Not even just because there was this question of did Lydia go on the show because she knew Uche was going to be there, which is already, like, bad enough. But, like, if I really bought into the Lydia Milton dynamic and I felt invested in their lo love, I could have maybe overlooked that, you know, as a viewer. Maybe other people couldn't, but I could have overlooked that of been, like, maybe you didn't go into it for the right reason, but if you genuinely found somebody and, like, and, and the thing is, spoilers for the end for season five finale, Lydia and Milton did say yes, they did get married. And so th that's a real relationship. I wish them the best. And I try very hard not to pretend like I genuinely know what their dynamic is like based off of an edited produced television show. I'm just saying from like a viewer's perspective of what the producer producers of the show sold me as a product, I didn't buy into it and I didn't, I wasn't rooting for them. Their dynamic was the entire stick was he's 24 and she's older. Like I felt like she was mothering him. Like she was babying him. It wasn't like, do I think there's something inherently wrong with like an older woman, younger? Like, no, I, I don't think that a, an age gap like is inherently some weird creepy thing I don't I think there are obviously dynamics and moments and conversations to be had about age gaps I'm not saying that that age is just a number by any means but I just think that it gets very icky and creepy to me when the age difference becomes like part like it feels weird like I don't know does that make sense but I, I just from a viewer's perspective it's like I feel like that was the main story I was being told about the relationship was like she's older and he's younger and also she's very emotional and he's not emotional and like I just I I am rooting for them because I'm never trying to root against people's happiness I don't particularly you know want people to get divorced why would I want that from for somebody I don't really I, I wish people the best in whatever their journeys lie when I criticize couples and whether I'm rooting for them or not it's really less about the people and more about the editing because I think there have been couples in Bachelor Nation where I did not buy into the edit and I wasn't really rooting for them and now they're very happy and they're doing well and and I wish them nothing but the best like Rachel Lindsay I was not rooting for her and Brian 
And now they're very happy and they've been successful and like they're a success story and I genuinely am happy for them. I, I was never rooting against them in the sense that I was like, oh, boo, I don't want them to be together. But I just, I, I feel like the editors did them a disservice. And I don't even think Rachel Lindsay would deny that. And I just think that the editors did Lydia and Milton disservice if they're together and they're happy. Or maybe that genuinely is their dynamic and they're happy. It just made me uncomfortable to watch it because it didn't, like, I don't know. I didn't love it. I didn't love their dynamic and what came across to me but I wish them the best and I'm excited to watch the reunion which is coming out probably around the time this podcast episode is coming out because I'm recording this Saturday so I'll probably this will probably be out Sunday evening um but I'm excited to watch the finale or the reunion and if I have anything interesting to say about that I will in the next episode but generally not the best season of love is blind Oh, Stacy and Izzy, spoiler, Stacy said no. Wasn't really shocked. Do I think that they're together? Not really. I, I, I found it confusing though because it did seem like when she said no that it wasn't a like, no, we can't be together. It was no, like we're already getting married, but I don't really know. That was bad season. Don't know how the reunion's gonna be, but it really was not a good season of love is blind now on to bachelor in paradise also not my favorite season of bachelor in paradise so far i i just like i again with like the editing and the producing i don't know like rachel recchi is there and she has barely been highlighted maybe there's not that much but it's just like I feel like all the really big contenders haven't been highlighted. They could at least give Rachel, like there is a girl, Olivia, I can't even remember whose season she's from because she didn't make it very far. And like, no hate to like early boots of, of batch, like Bachelor in Paradise can be very successful for people who didn't last very long on their original season. That's not what I'm saying, but I'm just saying that Rachel Reckia was like a former bachelorette and her being on the show was very appealing to me. And she's just getting no screen time. They're paying her dust. It's really unfair. Olivia is getting a million ITMs. And I, and I get why, because she's bringing all the petty... Like-ness. I just, I really don't love her ITMs. I think I talked about her in one of my last recaps with the whole Will thing. Maybe I didn't, but there was a whole thing. I feel like I probably did. But Olivia is still like bitter about Will and like she's just, she's really like nasty in her DM, not DMs, ITMs. Like I'm not enjoying them. Um, this episode, this last episode of Bachelor in Paradise was like fine, I guess. They, the rose ceremony has passed. Now the women have the roses, so naturally they're bringing down. They're bringing down more men. Tyler comes down from Rachel and Gabby's season, and that was something that I feel like they teased in the in the promos of like, "Ooh, Tyler's here." The same way they did the Hannah Brown thing, which pissed me the fuck off in the last episode. They like teased the like, "Ooh, Tyler and Hannah," and not the Tyler and and Rachel thing and I swear we got like two seconds of their conversation there was no like resolution or like 
there was nothing there. There wasn't even a like, like there, she had a few ITMs of being like, there's always been good banter. And like, then we saw people talking about like, oh, it would be cool if they reconnected. But we didn't even really get to see their conversation of like, oh, who are you liking? Or like, who do you, it would have been nice to see anything between them. I feel like we didn't get anything. And maybe they wanted to build suspense for us to think maybe he would pick her. But it was just like, I don't know, it fell flat. And then he picked Mercedes, who Mercedes and Will had a moment in the last episode and she got his rose. And it wasn't anything serious by any means, but like Will and Mercedes went on a date and they not, Will and Mercedes, they were, Will gave Mercedes his rose after Will had, you know, been left by Kylie because Aben came down and all the yada, yada, yada of the last few episodes. But, and Will was sad, but Mercedes was very nice about it. The main, I feel like, crux of this episode was the Cat Braden drama. Before I get into that, because that's the main thing I want to talk about for this episode, I do want to talk about um, the whole poop storyline. I feel really, really bad. I feel really, really bad for Sam because... She's not the first person to deal with like digestive issues in paradise. But I like I find it really like I would I like I don't know. I feel I feel bad for her. We barely got into know her and her whole storyline is the poo baby thing. I do genuinely wish her the best and I hope that she is able to poop and stay in paradise because that would be a really shitty, no pun intended, reason to have to leave but I really didn't like the amount of time they dedicated to it um not because I, I think it's like crass or like beneath like I'm not because of that I just I don't know it makes me kind of sad like I wish her the best like if it was her pushing the jokes that would be one thing but the fact that they brought in like the medic and had him do ITMs it just it made like I, I would feel really embarrassed if that was me but you know it seemed hopefully she is like playing along with it and she's appreciating the screen time and I wish her the best I know nothing of her genuinely I I I I don't know her from Adam or whatever the phrase is like I genuinely don't know anything about her but I wish her the best and Aaron was very nice about it like he was he was very helpful but I genuinely wish her the best um okay so Kat Braden that whole saga right okay so Braden we all know how I feel about Brayden. If we don't, I I was I was pretty team Brayden during charity season, and just because I don't really think Brayden ever did anything that was that crazy for the amount of hate he got, that was just me. Did did I love Brayden? No, not particularly. I found him like I wouldn't ever want to date him, but I felt like he got hate for things that, in my opinion, were kind of stupid to get hate for so I was always like you know I don't think Brayden is as bad as like he's not a villain in the way that I feel like they're trying to make him be one and Brayden really liked Kat they hit it off from the first night they were a pretty solid couple for the first week-ish of paradise I don't believe it's actually a week I think it's a few days I don't know how paradise time works but I believe it's like a few days, maybe three to four days or something is a Bachelor in Paradise week. So the first week they were salt, like they kind of hit it off the first night. They stayed, 
getting to know each other up until the rose ceremony. Neither of them, like, dated anybody. Neither of them were interested in anybody. He gave her his rose, and it seemed pretty solid at the rose ceremony. She gave no indication that she was not super interested, right? Okay, so that's where we are. And Brayden is a very... He's never given any indication that, you know... He was re- like, I, I feel like Brayden gives me those vibes of like, he just wants to find one person and like, he liked Kat. So he was going to dedicate, like, he seems like he's, he's one to go all in until he's sure that that is not the path he wants to go down. So I think he was going to pursue things with Kat until it, like he realized they weren't compatible or like, like, I, I think he was just going to see it through. That's the vibe I get from Brayden. Um, that he gave Kat its rose and Kat was interested in him, so he was going to see it through. That was the, the feeling that I got, right? Okay, so because the women have the roses, more men came down. We already know that Tyler came down, Tyler Norris. He came down. He came down second, actually. The other guy came down first, whose name I literally cannot remember. Tanner. Tanner from charity season i think he was kind of like irrelevant with peace and love on charity season tanner came down tanner spoke to jess who was with blake who i love i'm really rooting for jess um not just because she's a swifty but at some point in the episode they had like her name because they have like when they're doing atms their name their age and like a profession or something they've been really playing the editors have really been playing with the professions. At some point, it said missing Eros tour for this. I thought that was funny. I'll give them that. They're playing with her being a Swifty, and I appreciate that. Um, they played with that in the first episode where Sean was like, I'm a big Swifty, and then they put not actually a Swifty, which I don't really know if he is. But I think he did say, like, your TikTok. I, I saw your TikTok, like, which I don't blame him. I saw that TikTok too before I followed her on TikTok. Like, it came up on my For You page. But I am on Swifty for you. I am on Swifty TikTok. But anyways, um, Jess is with Blake. Tanner talked to to Jess at some point, but then he actually, did he? Yeah, I think he did. And then Tanner asked Kat on a date and she immediately said yes. So Brayden was a little bit caught off guard, but you know what? And some people on the beach were like, you know, that was a bit like she said yes too eagerly, too quickly. I don't really think there's anything wrong with that, okay? Yeah, I did say in my last episode that maybe once you've given somebody a rose, there's more, but they haven't really had that much of a conversation from what we've seen about like, would you pursue other connections? So I don't know what their relationship is like. I don't think saying yes to somebody after a few days in paradise is like a bad thing. I don't fault her for that. Now, later throughout the episode, I do think that her attitude and behavior becomes a little frustrating. So that is a little bit annoying. Brayden's obviously sad. I mean, we have to remember the rose ceremony was literally last night, so it hasn't even been 24 hours, and she seems to have completely changed her tune. Brayden doesn't even seem to be consideration, and I would understand why that would be hurtful, genuinely. So... She goes, she gets ready. Everybody's kind of like, oh, this is kind of annoying. And then she's walking up to like a day bed and Brayden's there and he says, you look pretty. And she like doesn't really talk to him. Like not even does she 
not pull him directly for a conversation, but he's in the general area of where she is like approaching and he like says that she looks nice. And this could be editing, but he doesn't even, she doesn't even like register that he's there. She doesn't even talk to him. Kind of cold, kind of like if I was Brayden, I would feel like, oh, she just wanted the rose. She doesn't give a shit about me. Because again, you're, we're not boyfriend and girlfriend. Like you don't owe me like a level of commitment, but like you could at least let me know where you are emotionally because I am investing myself to a certain degree that it seems you are not investing yourself in. So that happens. She goes on the date. Brayden's kind of, you know, in his feelings. And then they come back. Um, they seem, Tanner and Kat seem to have had a good date. The date was really boring in my opinion. Um, Kat goes and takes a shower and then she comes back and her friends are trying to be like, actually, I think, no, I can't, it, I, I guess it doesn't matter when she talked to him. I think she talked to him and then she took a shower. Anyway, she, they have a conversation at some point and she's kind of like, yeah, I'm just not feeling it anymore. Very fine. It was like just fine on paper. Then... Brayden's obviously upset. He tells a few people that he felt like she was kind of cold. And then Kat comes back from freshening up. I think now she takes a shower. And the shower's really not relevant. But, like, the, the point is some time has passed. And her friends are trying to be, like, Jess and Kylie are, like, I know you're, like, happy. But, like, you have to be a little bit more mindful. And Kat is immediately defensive. And this is when I start to be like, I kind of, I'm not very happy with, with the way Kat is, is, I think there were a few fouls. Like the fact that she didn't seem to engage with him at all when he was just being polite, being like, you look pretty, already kind of a red flag. Like you can't even be like, thanks, we should talk when I get back or any acknowledgement of the fact that you have been talking for the last couple of days, you know? Um, again, you're not in a committed relationship, but you're in a talking stage. And if you're going to date somebody else in front of the person you've been talking to, a nice courtesy would be great. But there was none. Okay. Then she has a very, like, I don't want to say unkind, but very, like, cold breakup conversation with him where, where I would, again, that would just reinforce that the, the tone shifted seemingly overnight, right? And what changed overnight? Oh, you were no longer in jeopardy. These are all things that in my brain would be going. But I think the place where I genuinely as a viewer became frustrated with Kat was the fact that her friends were like, we know you're happy, but like be mindful of Brayden's feelings. And she immediately like got defensive. She was like, I can't believe he's talking to other people about me. I can't believe like just because he assumed that we were at a different place, like that's not my fault. Like she... I didn't like that response from Kat. I feel like if somebody came to me and said, hey, I get that you're happy and like, but like he's upset. I would be like, I feel so bad that he's upset. Like I, I don't like, like I, I, I would, I didn't want to hurt him. Like I, it makes me sad that he's like, it was just a little defensive from her. And I know Kat's getting a lot of hate and I don't want to hate her. Like, I don't hate her. I just don't think it was the most effective way to communicate. It was an error on her part from a public perception standpoint. 
as well as like just an interpersonal way to communicate with people, if that makes sense. So that is my take on the Cat Braden thing. I feel like, I don't know, I wish Cat the best. Um, I wish Brayden the best. And yeah, I don't think she should be crucified, but I do think that we as an audience can maybe be like, we don't love that behavior. And hey, girl, there's always time to grow. Not girl, that sounds passive aggressive and condescending. But anyways, those are all my takes on, on Bachelor in Paradise. We'll see where things go. The cliffhanger was the poop thing, which like, I don't care about. I like, I, I wish her the best, but why are her bowel movements any of my business? We're here to watch people fall in love. I don't really care to know whether they're pooping or not. Like it feels invasive. And you know what's annoying is I said in the last episode that I liked that the bonfire felt like a production tactic that didn't feel like cheap and gimmicky. And then boom, they hit me with the poo baby segment. Like I was like, this is an interesting way to like bring out conversations without it feeling like cheap. Um, I, I, I take that back. The, the editors and the producers, they're not, they're not doing a good job. I also, I listened to a lot of recap podcasts and I, I thought Dear Shandy is a podcast I really like. And I thought their take on the whole bonfire was really interesting because they were like, there were no stakes. And that is very true because they didn't need to, it's only like the, the second week, you know, people aren't that serious or it's only like the first week. They're not that serious. And there's no like reason people have to tell the truth, you know? So I, I do, I, I did agree with what they said and they're a great podcast. Not that I'm like promoting other podcasts not that it matters only my sister listens to this but anyways that was all I had to say about Bachelor in Paradise we'll see where it goes from here um the Golden Bachelor before I jump into Big Brother so the Golden Bachelor is it's it's great this week made me genuinely so emotional so the episode started with a group date well, they, they had some mansion segments and we learned of a like, it felt like a Big Brother Alliance because they had a name, Askin, A-S-K-N. It was April. I, I don't remember who else was in it. Kathy, um, Nancy, and I don't know who the S was. So sorry to Askin. But they, Stacy maybe? Um, but I think it was Stacy. So they, they were like, a little click, I guess. I don't really know. I don't want to call them a click because, but like they were like a little group. We learned about them. But anyways, the it started with a group date and I really liked this group date. It was like a competition type thing where they had to do a talent. And I just love this show because Gary's a phenomenal lead. The women are so great. Like, it's just, it's such a good show. It really is. So the group date was great. Their talents were very funny. Um, the reactions to each other were so heartwarming. Like, everybody was just rooting for each other. Like, it was genuinely beautiful. And the person who won the group date, the talent show, would get time with Gary. And so... Joan, 
who's from Rockville, Maryland, which actually made me really happy because I grew up in Maryland, right outside of DC. Like, I grew up in Potomac, right? Rockville and Potomac, like that area. Um, it's like a, like Rockville and Potomac is like right next to each other. It's basically the same thing. So I grew up in that area. So that brought me a lot of joy. Um, but Joan wrote a poem and it was such a good poem. I'm like, did she have this prepared? Because she's like, I, I'm not good at, at, like, I don't really have a talent, but it was really good. It was genuinely a very good poem. Um, and she won. So she got time with Gary and they had a very nice, like dinner portion kind of ending of a one-on-one that you would normally see but it was the end of a group date instead and they opened up she opened up about her daughter who had just given birth um and it was not an easy birth and it was like literally like she had just given birth before she came on the show that was introduced to us and then the next thing we saw was her on the phone and she decided to leave um because her daughter needed her and it was really sad like the thing about the golden bachelor is that it all feels so much more real like the stakes are just so much higher they're so much more real not that people in their 20s or 30s don't have like real life traumas or real life responsibilities like I'm not saying that but I think there's just something so sad like I this is the second woman to like leave because of a family emergency and it's just like I don't know it's really sad when she's like opening up about the fact that like she hasn't felt this way about anybody since her like husband passed away but she needs to go be a mom like it's just heartbreaking like it's really sad like it really made me sad so and Gary cried. It was like, it was really sad. Like we had just gotten to know Joan a bit more and she left and it made me sad, but I, I wish her family the best. Um, that was, that was really sad. And then there was a one-on-one with Ellen, who I think is a front runner. That went well. Um, and then the main drama of the episode was that there was tension between Kathy and Teresa, who had the first one-on-one from the last episode. And this whole thing was, like, very confusing to me. Teresa seemed to be talking about, like, how strong her relationship with Gary was. And then April said something about, like, how people shouldn't be saying that. And Teresa was like, what was that about? And April was like, I was speaking for Kathy. So then Teresa like breaks down about it because she feels bad that she's like maybe rubbing people the wrong way. And Gary comforts her. And Kathy gets a rose before the rose ceremony, like because she opens up to Gary about like struggling. I didn't take notes. So this is all, I'm sorry if I'm jumping around. I don't have like, this is not a structured recap. I just want to share my, like, the the gist so I can then share my thoughts. I, I really don't have much to say about the Ellen date, which is why I just, like, I I just, I have a lot to say about Kathy um, and that whole saga. So, Kathy gets a rose. Very nice. Then, poor Teresa. 
um, who I know Gary has a strong connection with. And I think he just, like, maybe doesn't understand or doesn't, like, he's not going to fight with the producers about, like, the order of the roses. But Teresa gets the last rose at the rose ceremony, which is not a good spot to be in. It's bad for your rose quotient. The order of the roses <laughs> genuinely matters. And from, like, a the the person standing there, like, rose ceremonies take hours because... The way they work specifically when there's a lot of women is that the bachelor will like say a few names, leave the room normally to like look at a list. This at least is in the beginning. Gary, I'm sure knows all their names by now, but they still probably take hours. But like the first few row ceremonies normally take like hours because he'll say a few names, leave the room, come back, say a few more names, leave the room. So you're standing there for hours and if you're the last name called, like that, that feels probably horrible on your self-esteem and anxiety is through the roof. Um, because it's not just like 10 minutes or five minutes or however long we see in the edit, which already feels like stressful if you're standing there like Ellen, Nancy, and you're like, yeah, I'm not getting a rose. Um, but like hours, imagine that, but like you're doing it for hours. Crazy. I, I, I ugh, nightmare. So poor Teresa gets the last rose. But the thing that gets me is that Teresa then, at the, like, she kind of opens up to Kathy. I don't think she means it maliciously, like, genuinely. But I'm just like, stop giving Kathy ammunition. She doesn't like you. She, like, tells, like, she, like, talks to Kathy about, like, how she wasn't feeling great. But, like, Gary comforted her in, like, he came up to the room. And Kathy goes, he was in your bedroom? Oh, Teresa, this isn't the kind of thing you should tell people. And I just, like, am, like, I don't know. I Because Teresa even said in her ITM that she felt like she had a good relationship with Kathy. So it, like, caught her off guard. It was, like, this whole thing. I, f I feel really bad for Teresa because I don't think she's trying to do anything, like, maliciously. Like, I don't think she's bragging or trying to, like, psych the other women out. I think she's just genuinely excited about, like, her connection with Gary. And she feels like these are all her girlfriends with whom she can, like, gab about this new man that she has in her life. Like, I, 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 don't, I don't fault her. I think that is the mindfuck of The Bachelor is that the only people you can talk to are either producers who are trying to get a good show so you as a contestant, if you're like mindful of that, that's already hard because it's like, who are you going to open up to? Like all these people who just like want to get a good like storyline out of you. I would be on like such a like on guard trying with my relationship with the producers because I'd obviously want them to like me so they wouldn't fuck me over. But I also would would try to like if I if I were to ever go on the show, which I would genuinely never never go on the show I would have to have this like awareness of the fact that they are producers but it's also hard because those are the only people you're talking to about like a connection you're potentially forming or if you aren't like it's the producers or then the other women who are on like on some level a competition like they're your competition for like it's just a very extremely strange environment that I can't even fully like grasp how it would feel like because I've never been in it. So 
Like, I don't blame Teresa. I don't think she means any harm. I think it's just, like, a weird environment to, like, find yourself in. And, to like, Kathy was just not wanting to be her friend. I don't know. I don't know. But that was an interesting dynamic. And Gary is just a phenomenal man. I, I love him. I love him. He has yet to do one thing that I haven't liked genuinely. Um... I don't, I don't know where they found him, but, like, they struck gold. No pun intended. But moving on from that, and let me talk now about Big Brother because I, unfortunately, have less positive things to say about Big Brother. Um, I'm, I'm really not doing well. I am an Americori fan, if you didn't know, if you haven't listened to any of my Big Brother episodes. I love America and Corey individually, and I love them together. And I was rooting for them until the wheels fell off. And I said that I didn't think the wheels would fall off on finale night. But part of me likes to live in delusion because sometimes, you know, it, it thinking the craziest scenario, sometimes the craziest scenario happens, you know. I, like Felicia, am surviving on the faith of a mustard seed, which I, I had no idea was a religious thing. I I haven't read the bible um i only like i i i I didn't know that was a christian thing genuinely but i love that i love that now that i found that out i actually i find that to be very moving and touching um the faith of the mustard seed thing i want to look i like i don't know i it's gotten her very far but anyways i I've, i've been rooting for them and so basically last i spoke to you cam went home Okay, so I'm adding this in during editing because that's actually not the last I spoke to you, but I typically record on Thursdays. So for some reason in my brain, I was like, I already talked about this past week, but I didn't. So Bowie won HOH, which is the last thing I said. And then she nominated Felicia and Sari. Jag won POV, removed Felicia. Um, Cam went up and Cam was evicted unanimously. And that was the last I actually spoke to you. Sorry for skipping over that. That was great news for me. I hated Cameron. I was glad to see him gone. And going into this week, I was like, I don't know what things are going to be like because it is an invisible HOH. Um, I was like, I'm not going to find out who it is. And as soon as the feeds came back, like it was the BB Comics, which is normally a veto, but they did it for HOH, which was an interesting choice. And... Again, it was an invisible veto, so I was like, I don't really know who won. But Jag said under his breath that night, he was like, who am I going to put up? So I instantly knew it was Jag. And I was scared there for a little while because I was like, if it's an invisible HOH, this is a good time for Jag to make a move and nominate Corey in America because he, he can do it without getting his blood, his his hands, like without getting blood on his hands noticeably because he could lie about being the HOH. Um, That didn't end up happening. He told them that he was the HOH and he nominated Blue and Felicia. Now, I was like, wow, Corey and America skate by. This is actually great news. And he told them that he's HOH. So he probably isn't going to nominate them because, you know, he's not going to want to get blood on his hands. Now, that doesn't appear to be happening. I'm recording this Saturday evening. So, Vito 
ceremony hasn't happened yet, but there was a double veto. So two people, one veto, one of one of whom, which I don't know. I was an English major, but I don't really know. One of the veto winners was blue. And so blue safe, but the second veto winner, the first veto winner was Jag. The second one was blue. So it's not, it's not looking good for American Corey. For a while there, like, Jag had been saying his backup nominee would be Suri. Now I think that there, since there are two vetoes, he's going to go for American Corey. I think he told Suri his plan. It's pretty much set in stone. Now I have a lot to say about this because do I think it's a bad move for Jag to get Corey out? No. However, I think his execution is really not good. It's not good. Do I think that getting Corey out will benefit him in the long run regardless? Probably. From a Stan, Stan, I meant to say fan, <laughs> fan standpoint, but from a Stan standpoint, um, I'm really sad to see the unreliables broken up and see Corey or America leave genuinely. Like I, I'm very devastated about it. And that's part of the reason that I was like, I need to record a podcast episode this week. After all, even if it, it comes out Monday, which hopefully it won't, hopefully it'll be out Sunday. But after I didn't record the episode last night, I was like, maybe I just shouldn't. But after this whole American Corey potentially being up thing, I really felt like I needed to because I, I just, I need to talk about this now before one of them is gone because I would just be too sad if my next episode both like I, I needed to talk about this in the infancy of America or Corey going home because I I'll just, I just I need to talk about this now. So I, I don't think that Jag like I thought genuinely it was a stupid move to not target Corey in America from the get go. But the thing is, this is the worst way he could do it, specifically because he had the power to just not reveal it like he could have kept it a secret nominated them from the get-go blamed it on blue like anything to remain to keep the the relationships he had with them and now not only is he going to nominate both of them after the fact so he's already got blood on his hands by nominating blue who before was like very loyal to him and do i think blue is still going to be loyal to him yeah, I unfortunately do. I, I'm not counting her out yet because I, I have faith in Blue. And I do. Blue was the first woman to win a veto competition for this season. So I have to give Blue props for that. Now, I've never been a Blue anti. I've never dissed. I follow Blue. I enjoy Blue. I just have not always been rooting for her because she's been targeting people that I want to stay in the game, you know, from like just that pure standpoint. And I also said in one of my last episodes that I find it really like annoying, kind of hard to root for people when they aren't like super fans or even just like, you don't have to be a super fan, but like people who just don't know things (laughs) about the game. Like it bothers me. Even like tonight, (laughs) Corey was talking about Dan's funeral. And then Matt said something about like, is that after the gate started or something? I'm like, those are completely different seasons. Like you don't, like, I'm sorry, you don't even know what Dan's funeral is. It's hard for me to root for you. Like, I really, that's part of the reason I like Corey in America so much because it's like, because they mention these things, you know? Felicia got solitary confinement. So naturally, and she's on the block. So naturally they're like, 
Corey's like, this is like Dan's funeral. That was my first thought too. Like that is why I'm rooting for them because I see myself in them. And it's hard to, to watch people be like, I don't know what the brigade is. I've only seen three seasons. Why would I watch season 10? Like I, I, it, I, I find it annoying. It's like, know your history, you know, know your history. <laughs> There's one thing about me. When I become invested in something and I like it, I will learn my history. I started watching Vanderpump Rules post Scandal, but you know what I did? I, 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 I read my history books. I watched all the seasons. I've listened to interviews. I know my history, okay? Because, you know, I maybe it's because I, I've been part of fandoms and I've seen newer people join fandoms, but it's just like, know your history. And it's annoying to watch people in the game who don't know their history. So that is my one hang up with Blue, genuinely, is that is her being a recruit. And I'm not like anti-recruit necessarily, but it's just like, I wish you knew a little bit more of your history, you know? Like, I haven't been here from the beginning of all the things I've stand, but one thing you can't say about me is that I didn't, I didn't go back and learn, that I didn't pay my dues, that I, I wouldn't sit here and admit, hey, I haven't been a... Like, that's one thing about me that I, I will give myself credit for, is that I never say that I've been there from the beginning or acted like I'm on the level of OGs or super fans of things that I haven't been there for, you know? And I try my best to learn my history. I just... I'm a Swifty and and obviously Swifties they're they're like Taylor Swift has, has been famous for a very long time now but it's become very mainstream now to be a Swifty and they're just new age Swifties who just don't know their history and I find it annoying in every aspect of my standum any any stand thing that I'm a part of I find it kind of annoying so that's my one hang up with Blue or even Matt when they just they don't know their histories <laughs> Um, and the thing about like, Suri doesn't know that much about Big Brother, but Suri knows enough about reality. T- like, I don't know. There's like a, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. That's my one hang up with Blue, but I'm not rooting against Blue. I'm not. I hope. So Corey and America going up at this point, it seems pretty much final. I think it's stupid on Jag's part to not be honest with them because at this point, pre-jury it's not as important but like you if you're gonna stab people in the like you stab people in the front don't stab them in the back that is like such a like smart like move from people who have betrayed people in the past like josh martinez from bb19 did such a good job of when you stab people in the back or you betray them you have to do it in a way that that makes them still want to vote for you. I think Andy Heron did a good job of that, of like, like I, I, th- that is jury management. Like, I think it's just poor jury management to not be upfront with people, especially because Corey and America, specifically America, has always been somebody who's like, I just want to be upfront with people. Like, why we have to, we should just tell people that they don't have the votes. I just think it's really, and do I think Corey and America have obviously made mistakes that have gotten them to this point and right now they're showing a level of comfort that is is hurting them? I do, but I just, I think it's also bad jury management to not show some level of like respect or like honesty to them 
blindsides at this point, I just don't feel to be effective if the, if it's like somebody you're aligned with because why are they going to then vote for you in the end? And I think Jag specifically, maybe he doesn't see this. Maybe this is like somebody a, a perspective I have with like a more holistic view of like the entire, like, you know, it's different from a viewer's perspective than being in the game. But Jag, if Jag and Matt get to the end Matt has a better social game he has a better rapport with people um Jag has one more competition so like that they have different resumes but I just think that Jag needs all the people on his side as he can and like screwing people over is not a smart thing to do at this point in the game specifically Corey and America who have really like been rooting like I I don't I I just find that to be kind of bad gameplay. And I think the moment he told them that he was the HOH and he confided in them, they felt automatically safe because they were like, why would you then stab us in the back if you told us that you were the HOH? Like, wouldn't that mean you don't want to stab us in the back? And now they're like, they seem too comfortable, which like, I, I do think they shouldn't be super comfortable when there are two vetoes in play which means two new people can go on the block that means you guys can go on the block next to each other but in their head they're like jag is our closest ally why would he do this now after he told us he was the hoh like i understand why they maybe don't see how cocky they're coming across or like how overconfident they are when we as an audience know these conversations that they're not privy to but it's just annoying to me it's really frustrating and it's like i don't know I don't think it's the smartest move. Like, it's poor execution. Do I think getting Corey out was a smart move for Jag? I do. That's why when he won H2H, I was kind of scared. But I just think his execution is really poor. All I can hope for is... Because at this point, I I can't even get my hopes up that Corey and America aren't going to be on the block together. I'm just... I can't be in denial. I need to just accept that and grieve before it happens. Um, so I can enjoy my last week of them together on the feeds. But I don't remember what I was saying. Oh, oh, okay. So while I can no longer live in denial of like Corey and America lasting together through this week, I, I'm just trying to hope that if Corey goes, which I think Corey probably will go, I can just really pray that Corey leaving at least will mean I mean there's already more women than men but if if Corey goes home that opens things up a bit more for America to maybe work with Suri and Blue because Suri and Felicia have talked about bringing America in and going to final four with America and Blue and maybe even then going to final three with just America like they do see there is an end game for America post Corey in a way that I don't know if there is as much one right now for Corey post-America, which is a very interesting sentiment because I didn't feel this way a few weeks ago. I felt like I always thought it would be better if America went first because Corey had more like stake in the game, more winnability. But now the further we get, I do think that my only hope for a AmeriCorey in the end game if one goes, is that America will maybe team up with the right people. And then even though Jag 
and Matt are not getting them out this week, I do think that Suri and Felicia would maybe lean towards getting rid of rid of Matt and Jag next. So all I can hope for is that the power shifts to like that Matt or Jag don't win next week because apparently Jag has been told that he can play and he is eligible to be HOH next week, which I hope they just mean he's eligible to play, but he has to throw like they've done in previous Invisible HOHs because he should absolutely not be allowed to win. Um, But that is my opinion, especially because it's not even a secret. Everybody in the house knows that he is the HOH now. But anyways, like... I just hope that somebody, like, I hope America has her give me my key bitch moment post Caser's eviction, you know, <laughs> and and gets Jag and Matt out, one of them out. That's all I can hope for. And then that things open up a bit more and that one of them will then be the only man left standing against all the women and then the women can, can take it to the end. That's all I can hope for at this point. For one of them, because I, I, I don't think both of them will survive to the end of the week. But you know what? Corey in America, Corey, his fate was signed, sealed, and delivered. He was supposed to go home pre-jury and not see America for two months. And that didn't happen. By the, the grace of Jag, by the faith of a mustard seed, he made it to jury. And honestly... That's all I could hope for for them. Did I think one of them was going to win? No. Was I ready to, for them to go this week? No. But I am hopeful of what America can do post Corey. Because I, I do think there are more people willing to work with her in a post Corey world than there are. Like, I, I think Corey leaving opens up alliances and opportunities and allies to America in a way that America leaving doesn't really do that for Corey. I feel like people have a set opinion of Corey and they either want to work with him to like Corey is not really in anybody's endgame plans right now except maybe America. No, except America. Like they even Jag, who wanted to keep Corey around longer, never wanted to keep Corey to the end. Like Corey is not in anybody's game plans the only reason like where I think America if America left and Corey stayed and I didn't feel this way before because I felt like before it was kind of different like different where it's like if America had left at a certain point then certain people would have trusted Corey more but now I think post Corey sending Jared out the the Suri ship has sailed I think the Felicia ship has sailed Jag and and Matt don't really want to work with him that much. Bowie doesn't really... Like, Corey, unfortunately, I feel like Jag was his strongest ally. And I think even if he survived a Jag HOH, if Jag nominates him, I think Corey really doesn't have a, 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 a path to the end game. I think the only way he would is with Jag in his corner. So, and I think if, if Jag nominates Corey in America, Jag is no longer, that, like, the the relationship would be severed. So I just don't see a path forward for Corey, unfortunately, once America leaves. So I, I, I just think Corey leaving would be better for America's, for, like, AmeriCorey as a duo to succeed. 
if one of them were to leave, I think Corey leaving would have a more positive impact on America's game. So at this point, that's what I'm hoping for. And I do still believe in my brain that America can win. But even if she doesn't win, I do hope that it's only women at the end. Um, yeah. Um, that's all I have to say. I don't really know. I haven't checked Twitter or been on feeds in a couple hours because it was just making me too sad. Um, and like, obviously it's not like, okay, first of all, I'm on my period. So the emotions I feel when I'm on my period are not like, you can't judge me for being sad about a television show when like my body is literally shedding its uterine lining. Like you can't blame me. Okay. My hormones are all out of whack. (laughs) Genuinely, I become like I know like that is like a stereotype, but I genuinely like my depression is often triggered by PMS. Like I don't know. There's something called PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder or something. I think I might have that, but I'm not trying to self-diagnose, but I genuinely get like unhealthy levels of depressed and anxious during my period. So it's not my fault that I'm I'm feeling really sad about a pair. Like, I, I'll feel fine about this once I'm no longer, like, menstruating. But, like, right now, it's genuinely, like, heartbreaking. I think it's just bothering me that they have no idea. And people are, like, so entertained. Ha, they're clueless. And I would be, too, if I didn't care about these people who I don't know. But I genuinely feel like they're my friends. Like, I... I, I I spend so much time with them. They don't know who I am, but I spend so much time with them. It's weird. I think this is, I've said this before, but this is the first season of Big Brother that I'm really like watching the feeds and it genuinely is so bizarre. It really, it's so weird to, it's, I, I don't understand how people do this all the time because I have developed a level of parasocial like relationships with the contestants in a way I never have with any reality television show. And I still obviously, because I watch a lot of reality TV, I'm always mindful of the fact that I don't know these people, but there's a level of like with Big Brother and the 24 hour feeds where I'm like, these are my friends, you know? I'll like be cooking and I have them on in the background and they're like making dinner and they're having like I feel like they're my friends and I know they're not but I genuinely have become invested in these people's lives so not like their lives lives in a creepy sense just but like their their lives in the game so I it's genuinely making me sad I'll be fine like I'll get over it but I'm genuinely sad and I it, it is hard to watch the feeds knowing what they don't know I think after they are on the block, weirdly enough, watching feeds will be a little bit better. And I'm still going to watch feeds, uh, but specifically I'll jump to parts where it's just them or like whatever um, to get, you know, my America and Corey fix for as long as I can. But I think it is just hard when you feel like you're developing parasocial feelings, like connections with these people. Um, I feel like they're my friends. It's weird. Like, I know they're not my friends, but I live in LA. So I'm also just like, I didn't go to any events last year, post season, but now I'm genuinely considering if they have like those, those things that they do for like finale night or like, or like there have been like, 
events after i think there was one like before this season of like old contestants doing like a karaoke or something like an event at a bar where people go to meet them i'm genuinely considering going to one of those if american Corey are there because i want to say hi to them that is like how much i have connected with them as contestants on the show but anyways i've been talking for about an hour now and i want to go to bed so I'm going to do that. But anyways, thank you so much for listening. Um, it means a lot to me. Sorry for the inconsistency, which I say every episode, but I swear to God, like I'm trying to fix it. Life is just hard right now. But you know what? If I get an episode out by the end of the week, then it's been a success. So here I am on a Sunday. And you know what? That's better than nothing. So thank you so much for listening means a lot it genuinely does um share this with a friend if you think they'd like it um you or if you listen to podcasts all my social media is linked below if you want to keep up with me and get podcast updates although i've been really not the best at posting podcast updates so following the podcast is the best way to get notified when a new episode drops because i have really been inconsistent with even updating when the episode goes live because sometimes it'll go live um in the evening like later during pacific time or like i work weird hours so um the episode will finish uploading once i'm like already working like it's just i i i don't always anyways but follow me wherever you listen to podcasts if you are interested in that kind of thing and um thank you so much you will hear from me sometime next weekend